Welcome to the South Carolina State Library's podcast, Library Voices SC. I'm Curtis Rogers, Communications Director, and I'm pleased to have with us in our studio today, Liz Gilmore-Williams, a finalist in the 2018 International Book Awards in the military history genre. Liz Gilmore-Williams worked as a writer and editor for more than 20 years in Washington, D.C. for two offices of the U.S. Congress and many other organizations. As a speaker for the South Carolina Humanities Out Loud program, she travels statewide to speak at meetings for sponsoring organizations that promote discussion about human values, traditions, and cultures. So welcome to the podcast. Hi, Curtis. I'm glad to be here. It's great to have you here. And I'll also mention today Liz was a presenter at our Speaker at the Center program, and uh, she talked about her book that we'll be discussing. Um, But what I wanted to ask first is, how did you first get interested in writing? Well, I always like to answer that question. I was always a very good writer. I, I always excelled in grammar, believe it or not, and not so much writing stories, but just how to put reports together. And I ended up as a writer and editor in, that's what I did for a living. Mm -hmm. I worked for the federal government and I actually loved it. I worked for the general accounting office and then I worked for the congressional budget office. So most of my experience was in scholarly and more or less technical writing. Mm -hmm. I would never be a fiction writer. I can't make up stories, but I, I knew someday I would, I always wanted to write a book and I knew I would mm-hmm. and when my mother gave me those letters from the from the war mm-hmm, mm-hmm. World War II in 2003 I, I looked at them and I knew right away this is my book well that was amazing <laughs> and I did I, I was in for for your presentation today um, but for our listeners tell us um, about the book what what is it all about because you mentioned mm-hmm. the 300 letters and I can only imagine pouring right. through all of those right and this is called no ordinary soldier No Ordinary Soldier, My Father's Two Wars is about my father's uh, time in World War II. And as I mentioned in my talk earlier, he died when I was 18. Mm -hmm. So I did not know anything about his service except that he was, quote, in the war, unquote. Mm -hmm, Just mm -hmm. not much to know. So, you know, as you age, you start to wonder about your parents and what were they like before they were parents. Mm And, you know, I realized, geez, my parents witnessed history, and my father was a Pearl Harbor survivor. Definitely. And then when my mother cleaned out her house and moved to a smaller place, she offered me the letters, and I realized, well, this is, this is the time, and I started going through them. He was a pretty good writer, and they mm-hmm. were pretty substantive. They mm-hmm. were a, a lot of, if you read a lot of war letters, some of them really aren't very substantive. They're just, hey, Mom, I'm doing okay, mm-hmm. just to let your loved ones know you're still alive. Sure. His weren't like that. His were pretty substantive substantive. And um, so it made my job a little easier. Well, one of the yeah. things you mentioned during your talk was um, that soldiers had access to something called V-mail. Mm-hmm. And tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, victory mail or V-mail was encouraged by the military because it saved a lot of tonnage on mail ships. And it was a one-page combination letter and envelope. You could only write on one side of the page. Mm. So the GIs complained about it. it's too small and and my father didn't write many of them. I only found one in his collection, and it was oh, okay. to his in-laws. It wasn't to his wife. <laughs> so he would write, you know, four- and five-page letters. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. And um, talk to us about the book itself. How did you – what's the story behind the title? Did you, or did you write the book and didn't have the title in mind, or did you have a title in mind and then write the book? No, I did not have a title in mind. I, the title, Nowhere Ordinary Soldier, comes from a description – 
my mother made in one of her letters regarding mm. my father. She said to him, you're no ordinary soldier. Ah. And I, when I saw that, when I read that, I, I knew that's my title oh, right wow. there. That's great. And then, as I mentioned also in my talk, I discovered a secret about my father when I did my research. And that's where the subtitle comes from, my father's two wars, because he was in World War II, but he also had an internal war that I learned about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure people would like to hear some of this book, so would you be interested in maybe reading an excerpt? I'd be happy to. I'll set this up a little bit. This is what happened at Hickam Field, where Herb was based on December 7, 1943. On December 7, Ernest Gillespie, a private in Herb's company, got up, shaved, dressed, and went to Mass in Hickam's gym, then to the chow hall for breakfast. He walked back to the barracks and sat down on its front steps, looking across the airfield. He soon spied planes almost grazing the barracks roof, planes marked with the red rising sun of Japan, dubbed the meatball by the GIs. As the planes zoomed overhead, Gillespie yelled inside to those in the barracks, we're being attacked. He ran two blocks to the motor pool as an ear-splitting boom sounded from Pearl Harbor, the first target. Black smoke billowed over the naval base. Hickam's air raid siren blared. While Gillespie sprinted to the motor pool to move the company's trucks under some palm trees, Herb worked teletype in Hickam's Bomber Command Signal Office in the base operations building, the centrally located nerve center of the base. He relayed new developments from one headquarters to another and sent and took orders for the commanding generals. Only his helmet and the building protected him. Outside, dime Dive bombers whined, machine gun fire chattered, and bombs thundered. Meanwhile, a lineman truck driver in Herb's company, Private Thomas J. Pillion, and another signalman drove a truck full of field wire, telephones, and other equipment to base ops. Japanese bombs hit the hangar line and hangars, whistling past Pillion and his colleague Bill Kokosko as they arrived at base ops and huddled under a palm tree. The air reeked of gunpowder. Lieutenant Colonel Guy N. Church, the ranking signal officer, drove up in his staff car and got out with his arms full of sporting guns. He handed Pilling and Kokosko each a shotgun, but no ammunition. They left the guns at the message center. As the two signalmen exited base ops, Japanese planes splintered the Hawaiian Air Depot hangars and planes on the hangar line. Pilling and Kokosko ducked under the building where a grating had been removed. Minutes later, they headed to their company's supply building. Meanwhile, Air Force gunners manned the parade ground without cover and got mowed down like blades of grass to be replaced by more gunners. The bombing stopped for about 30 minutes. Ambulances began picking up the wounded. Then the bombers returned, blasting Hickam for another 15 minutes. This time, some Japanese planes exploded from anti-aircraft fire. When an enemy plane blew up, everyone stood up and cheered as if at a baseball game. The enemy hammered supply buildings, the base chapel, the enlisted men's beer hall, and the guardhouse. The sparkling new consolidated barracks shook repeatedly with the force of the explosions, which splattered food trays and the bodies of men in the chow hall. Almost all of the 100 Japanese bombs dropped on Hickam hit a target. Reportedly, the most heavily bombed building on Oahu, the consolidated barracks burned for four hours. Bodies lay everywhere. Though at first some men at Hickam wandered about, panic-stricken, most took heart and fought back. Firing 50 caliber machine guns, Thompson submachine guns, Colt 45 automatic pistols, and even World War I era bolt action Springfield rifles. They may as well have thrown those guns at their attackers. 
Thirty-five Army Air Force planes took flight, some engaging the enemy and others in pursuit, unaware that most of the Japanese planes had already left the area. Hawaiian Air Force pilot, fighter pilot and heir to the grape juice fortune, George S. Welsh, shot down four of the 29 enemy planes destroyed that day, the first American to down a Japanese plane. That's amazing, and there's so much yeah. history. I mean, just in that section that you're reading really contextualizes everything. Yeah, it's pretty cool to think my dad was right there in the middle of it all. I know. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Um, one of the things I will describe for folks, uh, since you're listening, you can't see the book, um, but we will have a picture of it on our uh, podcast website, and we'll also link to the website for the book, which is www.noordinarysoldier.com, which you can buy books from, and I'm assuming you can buy them on Amazon and yes. other. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, but anyway, looking at the book, that's a picture of your father, isn't it? Yes. And mm -hmm. how did you, did you always know about that picture, or was it something that you found? It was in his collection, and apparently my mother asked him to take have a formal p portrait taken of him while uh, he was in Honolulu, uh, and that is what the picture is. Uh, and um, it's a very good likeness, and I just I just really liked it. Yeah, well, it's perfect. <laughs> He's it a works. very handsome man, so <laughs> yeah. I thought it would help sell the book. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and that's one of the other things I really like about the book is that you have lots of photos, you have diagrams, you have maps, and one of the things during your book talk that I thought was very important was uh, showing the, the map of the Pacific uh, Theater so that we could see exactly, you know, what was taking place with, because there's a bazillion islands that oh, were involved. Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about, um, like, where, you know, all the different places that he served? Right. So after the bombing of Pearl Harbor, he was in Honolulu for two years, and then he went uh, to the Gilbert Islands. Mm -hmm. And he went from there to the Marshall Islands, which is, everyone knows about Kwajalein. That was the mm -hmm, big battle there. Mm -hmm. And then he went to the Mariana Islands in, on Saipan. Wow. And his descriptions and others' descriptions of Saipan was it was a very similar-looking um, island to mm -hmm. Hawaii, only mm -hmm. it was very devastated. Yeah. And then he served on those islands uh, nine months, and then he was reassigned stateside. Wow. Just so. Just fascinating. And some of the descriptions that you gave also about, you know, there was malaria and the heat was terrible. And so, you know, I, I hear some people say that the Pacific theater was rougher than the European. I kind of stay away from that because yeah. I think all war is bad. And I right, think no matter what. in Europe it was cold. So maybe they didn't have the searing heat, but they had the blistering cold to deal with. So true. I yeah. don't know which it's, was worse. Really. Yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> I, I, I agree with you there. It's all bad, no matter what. It's all what. bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about the uh, being a finalist in the uh, mm -hmm. 2018 International Book Awards. Well, I was uh, very gratified. I, I entered three contests, and you have to really weigh what to enter because these contests you can't enter them for free mm -hmm. you know? right <laughs> so, yeah exactly and and some of them are a little iffy but I, I believe this one is pretty legitimate the 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 man who won his book is actually called from student to warrior mm -hmm. and he's a longtime journalist in the richmond virginia area i don't know his name offhand but he won <clears throat> first place mm -hmm. in the military history genre and his book is about the rotc program uh -huh. at the college of william and mary okay. so 
I felt like, well, if he came in number one, and he also won another award. Mm. So I felt like if he came in number one and, and there were two finalists and I'm just behind him, mm-hmm. I feel pretty good about yeah, that. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's that's really an honor. Right. And it's, of course, something that you should, you should promote. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, since this is Library Voices SC, uh, could you take a minute and maybe just talk about your experience with, with libraries? I mean, were you mm. a library user all your life or has this been recent and do you do talks at libraries? Oh yes, I, I've I've done I did one in Pickens not too long ago, and I'm going back up to Pickens to one of their other branches oh, okay. re, uh, in the coming weeks. But at any rate, you know, we had to drive to the library when I was a little kid growing up, uh, so I didn't uh-huh. go there that much. But uh-huh. I will tell you my my a good library story is when I was in grad school in suburban Washington. I went to graduate school as an older person. I was in my 40s. A returning adult. Student. A returning yes, and. Um, <laughs> One of my research projects required me to go to the Library of Congress. Okay. What a thrill. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. What a thrill that was, just to be amidst all that, you know, concentration of, mm-hmm. of knowledge. And it, it, it's just, it's a really daunting thing. It's a wonderful thing. So I, I'll never forget that experience. It, yeah. yeah, and I, I've got actually been able to, as a state library employee, I've been to the Library of Congress a number of times, but one time I was able to get a behind the scenes tour. And you're right, it's just, there's nothing quite like it if yeah. you like libraries. So right. <laughs> really, really cool. And um, we're happy that uh, you're here in South Carolina and that you're available through the South Carolina Humanities Out Loud program to not only talk at libraries, but I'm sure you've spoken at other venues. Yes, I'm going to be talking for, uh, for the Augusta Vet Center uh, coming up on Veterans Day in Augusta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be speaking at the Lutheran Church in McCormick, South Carolina, on the weekend. So, yeah, I get around. (laughs) That's good. That's good. So do you have any other kinds of projects that you're thinking about doing? Curtis, I doubt I'll ever do another book because this (laughs) took me eight years of research. Yeah, it's a a labor of love. Yeah, when I first um, started to do this, I knew nothing about my father. I didn't even know what unit he was in. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it took a lot. And I don't think I have another book in me, but I do write a monthly column, actually, for a gentleman in England. Oh. He has a Twitter, well, a website. He's a photographer, mm-hmm. and he takes very fine quality photographs of reenactments. Imagine they have World War II reenactments wow. over in, in England because they had actual sure. battles there. Definitely. Fascinating to me because we don't think of reenactors in World War II in this country because. Right. We only had Pearl Harbor. I don't think we're going to reenact that. Right. Everything you see (laughs) here uh, is Confederate or revolutionary. Exactly. Exactly. So um, he put the word out on Twitter that he wanted a writer to work with him. And so I write a monthly column on World War II subjects for him. And I'm loving that because I do a lot of European theater stuff for him, which is a theater I'm not that well versed in. Mm -hmm. So I'm learning. And I just, I have a, a lot of fun doing that, so. That's fascinating. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I'm sure that uh, there's so much interest, you, you'll always find some kind of topics to be writing about. I hope so. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. And thank you to our listeners. You can find Library Voices SC on Podbean, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio, or add us on your favorite podcast app. Our podcast website address is libraryvoices.podbean.com. We love hearing from our listeners, so please send us your comments and suggestions for future topics. Library Voices SC is the official podcast of the South Carolina State Library. Until next time, this is Curtis Rogers. Thanks for listening.